Thought I'd come down here and tell a story. Story about life. It's really not a story about life. It's a story about uh, 9-11. Um, back in 2001, I was in my second year of my apprenticeship for my tool and die. Uh, journeyman's card. So, I was working that day, listening to Denny Schaefer and Trish Courtney on the KISS FM, and uh, some breaking news says there's, you know, an explosion or something has happened, a uh, plane has hit the, you know, World Trade Center. There's a lot of people that work there, oh my gosh, there's a lot of problems going to be happening. We sat there for a while. And uh, then another plane hit the other tower. And when that happened, I kind of stopped. I kind of knew at that point in time that my life as I knew it there standing there in the um, tool room at Obar's Tool and Die uh, was going to change. Here in 2000, it's 2020. I don't know that it's changed. Probably has changed a lot. As far as the lives, and I mean, it's an insensitive thing to say when so many people have died and gave their lives and fought for freedoms and different things, but being the normal Tennessee dwelling troll that I am, I don't see that a lot has changed. I mean, a little inconvenience on the airlines. But people that are working in tool rooms, people that are working nine to fives, and people that are worried about Jill gossiping about Harry and Jason doing whatever with Trisha and blah, blah, really didn't... We really didn't dawn on us. It's almost like somebody shot a gun on that second plane. Hit the tower, and I heard Trisha Courtney say, Oh my God, another plane has hit a building, the other building. It's almost like a gun went off too close to my head. Scattered. Stopped. Things muffled and weird. Slow motion. I looked around the tool room. About six other guys in the, in the tool room working. One, two, three. There's four of us that were on the mills that night. And, uh, 
Nobody was, everybody was back was to me. They're working. And I took a minute, a couple minutes. I just was putting my head closer to the radio, looking at everybody for some kind of confirmation of what was going on. Looking, uh, look, looking, is, is this real? Is this important? Is this uh, War of the Worlds? You know, and uh, everybody just kept working. And uh, Trisha was talking about, Denny, Trisha was talking about how many people were working there, you know, on any given day. How many visitors were there, blah, blah. And of course, nobody knew anything about the police and, and uh, fire departments that were risking their lives, gave their lives. So, if you were just thinking about the people that work in there. Oh my God, the people that work in there. There's a lot of people in that building, thousands. And then one of the buildings came down. And it was uh, a dramatic uh, radio the moment where we just knew that thousands of people had died. I went to the bathroom. There's a shitty little bathroom um, up and to the right of the tool room. <laughs> And right beside that's a little coin thing where you put money in for candy bars and stuff if you wanted a candy bar honor system. And uh, I went in the bathroom. I sat on the toilet, my pants on, and just sat there and tried to take everything in. And I knew, you know, my kids were really young at that time, you know. And I thought, well, we're going to war. The nuclear bombs are going to start flying because if this is an, uh, an attack, this is the beginning of an attack. And I thought, where there's going to be things flying. So I, I walked out of the bathroom and I went up to my boss. I said, hey, uh, I got to go. And he goes, um, he says, what? Well, what's going on? And I started to cr a little bit of cry. <clears throat> and I said, I, I got to go. I, I, I got to go home. And he looked at me and he says, okay, whatever. You know, just, all right, give us a call tomorrow. And I, Turned and looked at Harold. There was another apprentice that was in his fourth year. Don't remember his name. And the guy that worked beside me was a experienced journeyman named Tony Wallace. Tony Wallace, the Wallace clan. <clears throat> so, uh, and I, I looked at him, and none of them were looking at me. 
they all were working on the machines, just working. Huh. I drove fast over to my sister-in-law's house, and she was at school, <clears throat> college, and I turned on the TV and watched it. And that's when the gravity of it hit me, and there was more. There was fire at the Pentagon. There was a lot of different things that were going on. Another plane was flying in the Toledo area that was missing. So um, we're pretty sure the ship was going to hit the fan. I mean, big time. So, uh, I left Samantha's and went directly to Delta and had made emergency phone calls to my wife and to the school and the schools that they were sending the kids home. <clears throat> and uh, I went to downtown in Delta, Ohio, and uh, there was a little Catholic church. I would say little, but it's uh, a regular Catholic church on the right-hand side of the road, just as you pass the gas stations. And uh, I walked in there. I expected to see hundreds of people in that church on their knees praying. The people that were up members of that church, the the community. I'm 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 a nobody stopping in here to pray. Just get some kind of everything's gonna be okay. Um and there was nobody else nobody in the church it was empty. Weird. And uh, I said, hello. And the pastor came out around corners. Hello. And I said, uh, I said, hey, where's everybody? He said, well, nothing's, nothing's going on today except for the, everything that's going on with the, the planes. And I said, yeah, but I figured that this would be the place that everybody would come. He said, no, yeah. The only one. And uh, so I asked him if he would pray with me. I'm not aware of the prayer, but I do remember him asking me, uh, him, me asking him to pray. Uh, and him, I remember his slightly balding head and beard and nice trimmed beard white I don't know what you call it the little white little neck, neck thing that all the Catholic priests wear and I, I I didn't close my eyes until he bowed his head and closed his eyes and then I knew it was time to bow my head and we prayed and I wished him the best that day. 
and I went home and uh, started home and thought, well, I better put some gas in my car. And looked at the gas station and it was packed. Cars three, four, five deep. I uh, pulled in and um, saw some disarray, some people cutting people off and people being like it's going to become when it's nearer to the end of days. People are they're out for themselves. They're not out for you, brother. You better remember that. I got out of my truck and started maneuvering people at the gas station into different parking spots or different gas pumps where because everybody was pulled in all kinds of awkward, weird places. Where, you know, no one knew who was next and people thought that they were next when they were actually fifth. So I kind of got to an area there where I had a little spot. So I jumped in my truck and pulled up two spots and then a couple spots after that I pulled up to the pump. Filled my tank, got some cigarettes and headed home. Kids got home shortly after that. I remember tying black bands on their arms because I seen some sports teams do that for remembrance of whatever player had passed or had an accident of some kind. So I tied black armbands on them and I we went outside and talked about what had happened and I think later that day I, I took him to the uh, Dairy Queen uh, I've taken a picture of them and uh, they both had their arm, black armbands on and every time I see that picture I know what it meant for me that day. Having a seven and a five year old. The day the towers came down, I I thought that the, the uh, nuclear bombs were going to be flying and my kids were going to die that day. At some point in time, They were going to, you know, become a holocaust. When I say holocaust, I mean the term holocaust. If you look it up in the dictionary, uh, they're going to be... Uh, Innocent lives. Kids are talking about Thomas the tank engine and 
So that's what 9-11 meant to me. Um, went back to work the next day and everybody was... Matter of fact, about what happened. About two months later, the uh, machine shop got real, real, real slow. And uh, our business uh, went to shit. And uh, two of uh, the apprentices were laid off. And. They offered to keep me in the school and stuff, but I had my children to get a job. Went home that day and shut the door of the truck and looked over and there was my neighbor, son, his son, her son was visiting. His name was Chad Hayward. He was visiting his mom, and he said, "How's it going?" I said, "Well, not good, but I uh, lost my job today, and uh, I've got to go look for a job tomorrow." And he said, "That's easy. Come on out here, the correction center. They're hiring. They're always hiring." Get a good job out there, good state benefits, blah blah. So I went out to the application and uh, was a corrections officer for 13 years while my kids grew up. Not sure it was good for my mental uh, stability. But uh, it definitely provided a stable income and looking back, I can't, I can't, uh, for normal people, I would say don't do it. For somebody that's desperate, I would say it's a good job. But you also have to say that those desperate times they do come with consequences. It's like signing something from the devil himself, saying that he's going to take care of your bills. He's going to do all this stuff. And he'll come knocking one day. And those knocks usually come when you're sleeping. And that's the PTSD that I hear soldiers and Cops and a lot of other people, you know what? Corrections officers get those too. <laughs> and uh, being a pussy or whatever you want to say, but uh, I got through it. It didn't really affect me uh, as far as, you know, too deep. Uh, it did get in there. I haven't had a nightmare for a long time. You know, I can usually crush them when they do come in. I realize that what I'm, what I'm doing, where I'm at, 
is in a dream, and I can usually snuff it out because I I feel the intensity, I feel the you know the adrenaline, I feel the the fear and everything, and uh, that's the only the only fear is when 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 you've got a crowd of people who hate you and you're trying to establish some sort of I don't even want to say it, some sort of calmness, you some sort of rule of law, some sort of so you lose control of a pod. And that gets messy. Never had it happen to me. I've seen it happen to uh different poor officers. I say poor officers, it can happen to good officers, but Usually it's because a fucking officer did something stupid. You know, called up cotton pickers or said something stupid. Something under his breath that too many inmates caught on. Said he just said that. That's bullshit. Let's get him. Yeah. Sometimes an officer doesn't even have to say that kind of stuff. Sometimes you just got a bad inmate that says... I'll make that shit up. He just said that. He did. Let's get him. Goes like that too. Never had too much bad stuff come my way. But I saw enough bad stuff to say. I respect the people who do that job. And they don't get enough credit. There's a lot of... Uh, say this word with absolute honesty when I say piece of shit people out there the return inmates if you're a return inmate and you're listening to this I want you to know that you're a fucking piece of shit and I hope you get better for your kids, for your wife, for your mom, for your dad, for your for your kids. I I I don't feel strongly about inmates. <laughs> Everybody makes mistakes. Yeah, four or five. It's not a mistake. The Wild Wild West would have took care of that shit. And, that, and that's what, it'll come back that way. It's going to take a while. It's going to take something big. <clears throat> I think when Yosemite falls, when uh, Yosemite goes under and we have some major California stuff, they're going to have to do, they're going to have to euthanize. And I did use the word euthanize. They're going to have to euthanize uh, the prisons. In jails in California, it's the only way they do, they can do it. We can't let ten thousand fucking criminals and murderers and rapists and pedophiles and you fucking name it, man. You can't let them out. So what are you gonna do with them? Leave them? The guards ain't gonna be there. Now when their fucking family's house is on fire, it's gonna come. Needs to be done, just like a. Red Wedding just needs to be done swiftly and all at once, all over the United States. 
all the prisons. Anybody serving life. There might be 5%. Let's go ahead. I'll go ahead and up it. 10%. 10 out of 100 of the people convicted of murder didn't didn't do it. Man, that's too high. There's no fucking way. I'm going to stick with my 5%. So there's five people. Five people in bad circumstances. Out of 100. You get a fucking room of 100 people. That's a lot of fucking people, man. You got five of those. There are bad consequences. That's the best the United States has got to offer. I gotta, I gotta go ahead and, I gotta go ahead and fucking put them down. <clears throat> the next time we have the next Wuhan virus, I think, I think that this is just the beginning. I think it's gonna be like 13 monkeys, where we have to have a place to go, either underground or on an island. I don't even think it could be on an island because I think birds can get in. But uh, whew, it's got to be somewhere. But uh, it's going to have to be somewhere where we can breathe. Yeah. So this is uh, trees, bicycles, and turds. And I have to turn my head to say that every time because it's written down. And uh, hopefully it gets a better name. <laughs> Or maybe it's going to stick. I don't know. Don't stay awake too long. Don't go to bed. I make a cup of coffee for your head. And again, the common nigga And don't stay awake too long. Don't go to bed.